Welcome to Southern Fried Fantasy, a podcast for readers and writers, where Southern authors talk about books set in the region they call home. Book lovers beware, your TBR pile is about to get taller than high cotton. All right. Uh, welcome back, faithful listeners, to another uh, exciting episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. This week, I have the esteemed pleasure to have Jacob Stephen Moore on. Uh, Jacob, why don't you uh, say hello to everyone? Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Good. I'm glad to have you on. So let's let's just dive right in. Let's you know get to what people are here for. And why don't you take a moment, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what kind of ties you to the South? All right. Well, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I lived there for pretty much the first 20, 22, 24 years of my life. Um, I, I moved around a little bit uh, in my adulthood, but um, for the most part, you know, growing up, it was, it was Raleigh. It was Wilmington, North Carolina for college and then back to Raleigh for to begin my my career in uh, in writing and in publishing and yeah. it's really only recently that I've uh, I've moved out of the south I'm in Columbus Ohio now but I can okay. certainly consider my 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 heart is still yeah in NC I once took an absolutely miserable road trip to Columbus Ohio uh I had a friend that uh, had moved away for college and we had convinced mm-hmm. her to move back. And I drove from uh, Troy, Alabama to Columbus, Ohio, oh, uh, nonstop goodness. with a truck and trailer, picked her up, loaded the trailer, caught a 30 minute nap and drove straight back. <laughs> and it was miserable. Um, so that's my only experience with Columbus, seeing it, you know, at midnight <laughs> while loading a truck and trailer. Um, uh, not, not Columbus's best time midnight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I missed that kind of uh, quintessential Columbus essence. Uh, so let me ask you, what season yeah. was that in? Oh God, oh this was so long ago. Um, I want to say it was uh, spring-ish, maybe like late winter, uh, early spring. Um, but I could be totally wrong about that. But I just it, there was no snow. I know that much. So. Okay. Because uh, it, it depends in Columbus um, yeah. or a lot of uh, Southern Ohio uh, in general, because like, you know, our our seasons start and end a little bit later than down in the south. So yeah. like you know, late winter was probably like midwinter for us. So I'm sure that Ohio was just ugly. Yeah. It's a, well, it's, it's strange here. living here in Alabama. Uh, Ohio is actually the state I've had the most interaction with outside the South. Um, and I, I believe like here, this is just my personal theory, um, mm-hmm. is that, uh, 65 runs, uh, I 65 goes straight to Ohio. And I feel like what ends up happening is a lot of people get tired of Ohio and they want to move somewhere South. And, uh, mm-hmm. they, a lot of people get their mindset on Florida and then the money runs out about Alabama <laughs> and they wind up and they wind up here. Um, I, the bar I used to go to was uh, I, I'd say about a 10th of the 
the people who went to that bar were from Ohio or the surrounding area. And I really feel like it was because I-65 just connected straight to Ohio. Um, but this is not the Ohio podcast. This is the Southern Fried Fantasy podcast. So let's talk a little bit about your books. Sure. Uh, why don't you Why don't you give us a rundown of what you've uh, what you've written? All right. Um, when I was in college at UNC Wilmington, um, I had a an honors thesis to do, and at the time, I had been reading a lot of something called a short story cycle which is a book that is told in short stories. Every chapter is a short story and you can read them separately. But if you read them together, uh, it creates this, 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 this richer, fuller whole. And it, it, they're usually about like, like small towns or like groups of people that all know each other. And I, I became fascinated with this, this art form that I had until college never heard about. I was taking a class on it. So I decided like for my college thesis, I am going to write a short story cycle that takes place in the South and all the places that I grew up in. And it's going to be the story of one person growing up uh, in the South. And that turned out to be the book of apparitions. And that turned out to be the first thing that I ever got published. Um, I found this, this little, uh, you know, at the time rinky dink publisher called ugly sapling books that had never published a book before. And I was their first. Yeah. And so right out of college, I had a publication. And at the time that was huge, yeah. especially because it was a, it was such a personal project to me. It was a, mm. you know, a lot of places that I grew up had been like fictionalized and put into uh, this, this story. And a lot of people that I knew had been fictionalized and put into the story. So it was, it was, it was kind of like this, this celebration of you know where I had been and where I had grown up and all the the the, you know obviously I had to really heavily fictionalize it because you know it's it is a it's magical realism there are there are like uh fantastic beings that show up over the course of this narrator's life there's a valkyrie and a sandman and a and a water sprite and later a a a a predatory muse if I remember yeah I saw that when I was reading the 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 blurb and carnivorous muse. That was very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Now that's a her her name is Claudia and she's a bitch. <laughs> and I think she's the only that spoilers for a, a book that came out in 2016, I guess. Uh she's the only character in that entire book that actually like dies oh, or is well, is then. defeated, quote unquote. Because yeah. I, I disliked her that much. <laughs> Everyone yeah. else lives. Everyone else gets to to be in other stories. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so you have uh, two other novels. Is that correct? Uh, I do. Uh, the second one, uh, actually, kind of, it was a it was an accident book, if you can believe that. Yeah. I was writing a, a short a, a short fantasy story, and I kept adding to it and adding to it, adding to it, because I I had had a I had had a dream. there was one scene in this book that came to me in a dream and I kept like adding to the front and adding to the back. And eventually when the thing was finally finished, I looked at and realized this is 35,000 words long. Jacob, you idiot. You wrote another book and you worked (laughs) too hard. Now you've made yourself sick. So I was sick for like three days after that because I stayed up until like five in the morning 
finishing the stupid things. I was just sick of it not being finished. Yeah. But you know, that became daughter of man. And that was, that was the, the first book I ever had that actually had two different editions come out. There was the original one. And then I decided I didn't like the cover. So I had a, a friend at the time redo the cover in her own uh, art style. And that's the, the more popular version. Yeah. Yeah. But that is uh, essentially what I consider to be like my, my grim dark take on Wonder Woman, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I saw that it was definitely more, uh, more fantasy based mm-hmm. uh, and which, I mean, that's, that's the bulk of what I read really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that definitely caught my eye. Oh, uh, check that one out. It's a, uh, it's, it's short. I'll give it that. It's yeah. a, it's been described as a, a couple of hours beach yeah. read. Yeah, yeah. Kind of but I mean, summer. sometimes that's just the perfect amount, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you don't have the time, especially the older I get, the the less time I have to devote to uh, reading as much as I hate it. And so sometimes, you know, you just want to scratch that itch. You want to read something, but you don't want to get tied up in a, in a book or a series that's going to take, you know, twenty hours to read. That's uh, very true. So, uh, and then uh, your most is it your most recent book is, uh, uh, was it the unwelcome? That's right. Uh, that came out, um, a little over a year ago, uh, February of 2021. And that is, that, that's the one that I, I spent the most time on and is, you know, obviously I'm not in this for the money, but, uh, definitely my most uh, successful yeah. of all my projects. Well, and- I watched I watched your book trailer for it, and uh, <laughs> I really like that. You know, so many book trailers uh, tend to really just be just a like a, a moving graphic of mm-hmm. the book cover. You know, maybe like some still frame type images. But yours is very much like if someone had told me that it was a trailer for a movie instead of a book, I would have totally believed that. You know, uh, and. Uh, I, I like that you acted in it, you know, I thought that was a neat little cameo uh, to have. And it was really well done. I was, I was really impressed. I, I got very lucky with that because I work in uh, video advertising. And so I, I had access to a lot of equipment and to a lot of very, very talented people who agreed to help me with that. Um, very nice. Uh, so it, you know, the, the, the quality does really show through and um, it, it was also just really, really fun to make. Like I, I don't get to be in front of the camera that often. Um, yeah. I'm usually behind it uh, directing actors uh, for my day job, but uh, I got to, I got to deliver a couple of lines. I got to actually like be this, uh, this, this villainous uh, character that I had invented that I'm very fond of Lutz. Uh, his name is Lutz Viscara, uh, the guy oh. I play in the, in the trailer and he is the main villain of the unwelcome and he is a rare kind of shit bird <laughs> like I, I love him so much i've spent so much time like writing him and thinking about him that you know i have there you you saw on the trailer there's a very specific voice that you have to do when you play him yeah like, he always talks just a little bit like this yeah yeah, no, it was. Uh, he, he's definitely uh, comes across very, uh, very creepy and unnerving, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that makes for a really good villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so th- that book is set in Appalachia, correct? 
That is right. Um, or, or it's it's partly in Appalachia. It's mostly uh-huh. in this one, like, yeah, the classic cabin in the woods up in the mountains. Right. But a lot of it, like especially like the, uh, the the prehistory of the story, I guess, whenever there's flashbacks, it's going to be to another uh, fictional setting of mine, Armistice College, which appears yeah. in not only this story, but it appears in Book of Apparitions and appears in uh, two or three other stories that I've written as well. It's kind of a, whenever there's going to be a spooky thing that happens to college, it happens to Armistice. Yeah, kind so, of uh, your version of uh, Miskatonic so to speak oh very very much so yeah um and that's kind of like my fictionalized version of Lindsay Wilmington which I spent a lot of uh the formative years of my writing career at yeah uh, so it's it's little uh this little beach town this little beach set uh college and so the story is divided in between that and I believe the yeah the North Carolina mountains yeah very cool so uh, this being, you know, the Southern Fantasy Podcast, what are what are some elements of Southern culture that you felt, you know, that you really wanted to work into your books? Uh, something that you felt like is important to kind of showcase, and and how did you go about doing that? That's a, I will admit, that's a little bit of a difficult one because I don't yep. know. Yeah, Southern culture is very much at least in my experience, and I don't, I don't want to step on anybody's toes by saying this, but like Southern culture is very much like this, uh, this genteel idea that we have about like the past. It's very nostalgic. Yeah. Um, and so if there's any, any element that I've really tried to work into all, a lot of my, uh, my stories that are set in the South, it is that, that quality of nostalgia of looking back, of thinking that, you know this 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 bygone era not only that it was it was better but it, that it could physically be recaptured yeah um and in the stories a lot of times it is like you know people do you know reconnect with their childhoods reconnect with the the more magical aspects of you know the places they grew up and their own natures and you know nature itself yeah um, no, I, I I really I really love that. So uh, every every person I ask, you know, th- that's the beauty of this podcast is because everyone's from different areas and they all kind of have different elements of the South that they kind of work to realize in their works. And you, you've been the first one to kind of touch on that. And the South is very much uh, for good and largely for ill, uh, hung up on its own past, whether it be you know idolizing the confederacy or or things like that mm-hmm. and um but it, it's not all negative you know there there is very much that people have this idea of how you know how things were in their grandfather's time that you know it was you could leave your doors unlocked and people were always so helpful and things like that and trying to recapture that is something that some people really work at you know mm-hmm. and so that is very that's a very strong element of southern culture uh and it's neat that that's what you try to try to work in well thank you yeah uh so i know you said that uh especially your first book was very kind of quasi autobiographical like it kind of well not autobiographical but drew just drew heavily on events from your own life Mm -hmm. um outside of that where where do you get some of your ideas like 
uh, I know you, you work at a lot of uh, <coughs> mythical creatures. Uh, or do you have a real love of mythology? Uh, not so much mythology itself, just like magic in general. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely consider myself to be a magical thinker. Um, yeah. I am certainly superstitious. I believe in ghosts. I believe in uh, not like any one true form of the supernatural, but I believe that like, you know, the, the world that we see is not all that's there. Yeah. And I think that if it were, that it would be a very boring world indeed. And that's why I like to work in so much of that into my writing. It's like, I, that's yeah. what excites me is yeah. the, the, the uh, crossing the boundaries between the known and the unknown, between, you know, the ordinary and the magical. Yeah. Because I think that's how we, that's how we grow is not by remaining as we are. We have to cross boundaries. We have to explore. We have to, you know, transgress a little bit in order to see who we really are. And that's what the Book of Apparitions is all about, in my opinion, is this, uh, this exploration transgression as a means of personal growth. And I think that's something you can find in my other writing as well. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Did so with your, uh, do you, well, all right. So I want to go in this little, so I personally, uh, I don't necessarily believe in the supernatural, mm -hmm. uh, but like when I tell people, like, I don't, really believe in the supernatural but that said life is so much more cool with the supernatural in it so i basically act as though it is you, you know like mm -hmm. i've never had any proof but life is so i love cryptids i love you know ghost hunting things like that like, even if it's one of those, those like i don't really believe in ghosts but i'm open to it so have you had a supernatural experience I have had one or two. Yeah. Um, Would you feel comfortable like sharing one of them with us? <clears throat> nothing. Nothing that I can point to and say like, "Oh, you know, that was a that 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 was this." Yeah. Um, but uh, there is there is one story I like to tell, um, uh -huh. which it, it it actually makes for a, a pretty good like old fashioned Southern ghost story. Yeah. Um, but th this began happening. Uh, ever since I moved out of my parents' house, every time I would move somewhere that was that was that was permanent, it wasn't like a hotel or a friend's house or you know camping in the woods somewhere somewhere that you unpack somewhere that uh -huh. like I'm staying here for a while. This this would start to happen. Uh, the first night I would spend in this new place, like my new house, uh, for instance, um, there would be something uh like a, a, a weight uh pressure that yeah. i would feel uh crawl up onto the foot of my bed and it would stay there that whole first night and this happened several times i ever i never looked at it i never like that that seemed like a like a transgression too far to look at whatever it was um but it would uh it, it would always be there oh, and only on the first night and eventually yeah. by accident i never saw it but i did see the other thing that came with it that i think it was protecting me from is this column of like congealed uh darkness that would be in the corner of the room 
And it would always be like if if the door opened, it would be concealed. But because the door is closed, because I'm sleeping, because it's night, the door is closed and you can see it. And I always got the sense that like these th- these two things went together somehow. The thing on yeah. the bed was, pro- was protecting me from the thing in the corner. And Ooh, that is delight. That is delightfully creepy. Like I got I'm not going to lie. I got a little chill talking about. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Love it. And what's worse. And I don't know what this means. But what's worse is that the. I, I, I always I always kind of think of it as a cat because like it always curls up on the foot of the bed. But I, I don't know. Like it could be a, a humanoid thing. I don't think it is. But every time it shows up, it's smaller and the thing in the corner is bigger. I don't know what oh, that means. I think that means that you can't move anymore, is what I think that means. <laughs> I think you have to live where you're living now forever. Because <laughs> why risk it? It's uh, and that that makes sense. I had not I had not considered that, but ugh. yeah. <laughs> wow. How about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That was that was that was good. That was good. Um. All right. So I want to dive in now a little bit on your process. Sure. Uh, are you a plotter or a pantser? I am most definitely a plotter. And I, I was not always, but once I, once I wrote my third book and I had such success, like really writing out like, um, like, like, ch- like chapter by chapter details of what's going to happen and like character bios for all of it. I, I had such success uh, with that. And like, it ended up being like a, like a fuller and, and a richer project. Yeah. Um, so I have been a confirmed uh, plotter ever since I'm really obsessively. So like, even for my yeah. short stories, like there'll okay. be like an outline. Yeah. Um, uh, how, but how long did it take you to write The Unwelcome? About, including editing. Yeah. About nine months. And okay. that's only because I am a pretty obsessive, like in the moment rewriter. Like I, I will never like finish a chapter unless I think it's perfect or like yeah. clo- as close as I can get it to perfect. So I'll like, I'll like rewrite as I'm writing. And so it takes me a while to like finish a chapter. Yeah. Um, or to, to finish any project really. But like once it's finished, it's pretty much close to where I want it to be because yeah. of that. See, I'm, I'm very much the opposite. Uh, I, uh, I just write till it's done and then it sits in a folder for many months because I hate <laughs> I hate editing and I don't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, but I, you know, I think a lot of people who are listening to this, you know, some of them would be like, God, only nine months. Like how, how does he do that? It's like to come out uh, after nine months with a almost, you know, totally edited project, you know, that that's a, that's a really good pace. So um, I think there's something to be said. And that, that's the beauty of this. Like everyone I talk to has a different process, you know, mm-hmm. no, you know, I, sure. If I interview enough people, I'll eventually get some replication, but by and large, you know, um, everyone kind of has their, their own method. And I'm just trying to, I, I want people who are listening to this, that they're on the fence about trying to write a book. You know, it's like, 
you just got to tinker with it till you find what works for you. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, your first couple books, you didn't plot as heavily, but come to your third novel, you plot heavily and you realize, wow, this is what really works well for me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the first couple books I tried to write, uh, I uh, world built heavily, but didn't necessarily plot heavily and they just didn't go anywhere, you know? Um and so you just gotta you gotta tinker with it. Just you know, try different things. If something's not working, shift shift things until you till you settle on what what works for you. Mm-hmm. Now, um, to the to the listeners of this podcast, I would say like there is no right way to write a book. And I say this as somebody who went through a creative writing program where they told you, yes, there absolutely is a right way to write a book. Those people are screwballs. Yeah. Um, now the the right way to write your book is the process where at the end of it you have a book whatever that is and that could be you know staring at a blank screen for 14 hours a day for a year before you even begin that could be writing with your eyes closed it could be writing out of order it could be writing in comic sans ms you know if you're a a heathen like that i guess yeah uh, if you if you want to be that monster sure mm -hmm. yes (laughs) But the point uh, being, you know, I imagine that, you know, whatever, whatever is ultimately going to work for you, like might not be a thing that I've even thought of, you know, it might not yeah. be something anybody's thought of, like just yeah, write, write the thing. That's yeah. what makes you a writer. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I, uh, my background is in, uh, I have a degree in music industry. So music is a real passion of mine. Mm-hmm. So I always like to ask do you play music when you write? And if so, what? Generally, no. And it's, uh-huh. it's for a weird reason. Cause like for, unless it's like a very, very specific kind of music, like I can't listen to like top 40 or anything because like the, or anything that I, I really like because yeah. the same part of my brain that listens to music somehow is also the same part that writes and they uh-huh. can't do both things at the same time. So I need either like silence, white noise, or really complicated, noisy progressive rock. Okay. Yeah. Like I'll listen to Tarkus, and it's uh-huh. just like this, this jangly, avant garde, like almost tuneless noise. Yeah. And for some reason, like that's just chaotic enough that like it doesn't register as music. So uh-huh. I can like, I can, I can still engage the thrusters so to speak yeah 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 no very cool like like this is another one of those everyone has a totally different answer and i love it um because again there there's there's no there's no wrong way Mm -hmm. um so i wanted to bring this up i was reading your bio and it said in there that you were not raised by wolves oh to say that yeah, and to me, that sounded very much like someone who actually was raised by wolves, but was trying to hide that fact. So can we go on the record right now? Were you raised by wolves? Well, you'll you'll notice in the bio, and I don't know which version of the bio you're reading, <laughs> but I, I think it's the one that says, don't buy the hype. Yeah. Jacob Stephen Moore was not raised by wolves. Like yes. it's not it's not a denial so much as it is like a, like a curb your expectations <laughs> kind of thing. Cause yeah. there, there's the, there's the rumor going around. It's like, Oh, Jacob, Stephen Moore, that guy's raised by wolves. I wanted like, so like for, for the record, like, I don't know who started that rumor. 
I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know precisely where that came from, but like when a lot of people meet me, they're disappointed because, you know, I don't, you know, growl or bite them or, yeah. you know, you know, chase cars and bite tires like that, like what's been promised to them by yeah. the, by the, you know, the mainstream media, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. To, to okay. go on the record, no, not raised by wolves, but I will bite you for $10. Okay. There we go. Everyone. And I think the, that's reasonable. The, the pressing question has been answered. So mm-hmm. you got it. You got it here first people. Uh, so another thing I saw that uh, really interested me that kind of caught my eye, it said that uh, your stuff has also been on the stage at the Brown Coat Theater. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, while I was still at university uh, at North Carolina Wilmington, um, I had is a very, very thriving theater and film community down there. And I came across a, a project through a, a mutual friend um, of somebody who is putting together a collection of one act stage plays. Yeah. It's called Strange. The project was called Strange Bedfellows. And for the life of me, I cannot remember exactly what that meant in context. Uh-huh. But I decided, hey, I, I write. I can write a play. Yeah. And so in like two hours I banged out like this little it it wasn't even like a whole play it was just like a scene it was a conversation between two people and it was supremely goofy it was definitely like uh it was a a student's attempt at farce Uh but they they took it they put it in their project and like actual professional actors you know said uh said the words that I wrote yeah that's awesome and i got to go like see it with my friends and it was really funny and like people like the and like the project got reviews and people mentioned my things like oh this is it was pretty good and you know what that's exactly how i describe it it was pretty good (laughs) not great not terrible pretty good it's one of those things like uh i I think it's admirable that you you know you took the that got out of your comfort zone a little bit to write something that you wouldn't normally write. And like, that's something that I would encourage people to try and do. Um, I actually just, uh, I wrote my first uh, very small uh, screenplay uh, mm-hmm. a month ago for some local filmmakers. Um, and, you know, it was definitely outside of my comfort zone, but you know, it, they may, they may pick it up. They may not, but uh, I kind of hope they do. That'd be really cool. And so, you know, and that the other thing is like this, it, 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 it gets your name in front of people that might not normally your name would wind up in front of, you know? Yeah. And, you know, if they like, you know, oh man, I really enjoyed that part of that play. That was, you know, that was really good. And then they're in the bookstore later that week and they see your name. Oh, Hey, it's that guy. You know, you never, you never know what connections uh, will will stem from an event like that so i challenge all our writers out there like you know maybe try and get outside your comfort zone apply to that uh that theater program that's accepting you know uh unsolicited submissions or you know reach out to your local filmmakers and see if they are looking for scripts you know you just you never know what you might find that's very true um all right, so uh, there is a North Carolina author that's a hero of mine, uh, John Hartness, and he always talks about how no matter how quickly he writes, he cannot keep up with the pace of a reader. 
And so because of that, uh, authors should always be helping promote each other. And uh, so I have two questions for you. One, who is your author hero? And two, who is an author that you think we should be checking out that we might not be? All right. Uh, Author hero. Got to go with Neil Gaiman. Nice. Love him. Uh, Certainly not uh, not an underrated author, but uh, definitely one, you know, without whom my writing career would not exist. Um, He has been a hero of mine ever since I read Coraline. And I definitely spent like the the first couple years of my writing career trying to be him. Yeah. Which is difficult because there's only one Neil Gaiman and it certainly wasn't, you know, a 21 year old college kid. (laughs) <laughs> well he was he was 21 at one point you know uh and he's he's definitely one of those authors that really gets out there and right you know he did sandman he's you know he stuff has been adapted uh, adapted into film you know mm-hmm. he's written uh across the spectrum of writing you know and it's 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 gone very well for him <laughs> yeah he's definitely done an all and i wanted and he's a he he's especially done something that I is one of my ultimate goals is to be a showrunner on a project that's you know adapted from something that I wrote. Like he got to be the showrunner for uh, Good Omens. Yeah, I think that he's the main showrunner for Sandman as well, which is coming out from Netflix. And you know, that's yeah. what I want to be doing eventually is like really like guiding forward a new adaptation of my work someday. Yeah, no, how, God, can you imagine how amazing that would be? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's, uh, why don't you give us the rundown? Where can we find you and your books? Throw us your social medias, uh, run down the names of your book again real quick, and just tell people where they can find you and your books. All right, uh, everything I've got is going to be on Amazon. You go to Jacob Stephen Moore, you'll find the list. Um, at this point, there's also going to be like two or three different other anthologies that have my short fiction uh, in them. Uh, the Unwelcome, the horror novel, you can find that at any uh, Barnes Noble in the Ohio area, some other states as well. I have not gone around to check the same way I've gone around to check in Ohio. Uh, the ones in Columbus will be signed by me. Uh, so nice. if you're a Columbus listener and you happen to be walking through a Barnes Noble, uh, head to your horror section, look under MOHR, uh, you're going to find something that I wrote in, um, you know, literally and figuratively. Uh, yeah. I have a my first collection of short fiction uh, coming out this coming April, April 7th. That'll be Nightfall and Other Dangers. Uh-huh. Um, you'll find a lot of old stuff, a lot of new stuff in there as well, including a short story. Uh, that has characters from the welcome in it uh, told from an unusual perspective. Ooh. Um, Ooh. I, I love that. I, I love uh, expanding the universe, shall we mm-hmm. say, just uh, different perspectives on things like that. Um, wow. All right. Jacob Stephen Moore, it has been a pleasure having you on. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a really yeah. good time. And, uh, the, the goal for this is we want to eventually get the authors back on, kind of check in with them later. So maybe in a year or so, I'll be hitting you up. You know, you'll have uh, your, your next book will be out by then. Kind of follow up and see where you're at on that. Oh, I would love to come back. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, 
thank you for coming on. Loved having you. And for all you listeners out there, until next time, enjoy. for taking the time to check out another exciting episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. If you would, you know the drill. Give us a like, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. We'll appreciate you. Until next time, y'all. is part of the Tells by Bob network. To see all our great shows, go to tellsbybob.com.